Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by those people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Stephen, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Christus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum, like the priest, in the territory of Zebulun and Nazareth. So that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Babylon, land of Absalom, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee, of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked for the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into them, and they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went to Rock Galilee, teaching in the synagogue, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and killing every disease and sickness among the people. The gospel in today's gospel, Jesus fled from his homeland. The Greek verb that Matthew uses connects this time in Jesus' life to the earlier time when his parents fled to protect him after his birth. The threat of political persecution urgently presented itself again in Jesus' life at the imprisonment of John the Baptist. Can you imagine the transition this must have been for Jesus? He flees Nazareth, a small farming village of perhaps 400 people who follow a traditionally Jewish culture and speak Aramaic. And they drink Jewish grape juice to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was to an area from where there are 200 to 700,000 people. 
an area that was a real cultural melting pot. So Jesus understood melting pots. There were Jews ranging from the very traditional religious and following the largely accepted Hellenistic Roman culture and the Greek way of doing things. Then you had everyone else, the Romans, the Hellenists, some would say the Gentiles. By the time of Jesus, the area was a cultural crossroads with people from all over the Roman Empire. In fleeing to Galilee, Jesus intentionally places himself at a crossroads. Interestingly, that Nazareth was where Jesus was born and raised, but it was Capernaum that the Gospel tells us Jesus made his home. Instead of safety, this crossroads, this place where Jesus made his home, takes him smack dab into Herod's territories. Jesus picks up where John left off. He takes himself directly into the work which Herod tried to stop by arresting John. Martin Luther King seems to describe this moment in Jesus' life when he said, Light has come into the world, and every one of us must decide whether we will walk in the light of creative altruism or the darkness of destructive selfishness. Life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? Jesus places himself in the center of the lives of people who are sitting out their life in the dark. And for Jesus, the question, what are you doing for others, is answered within community. He talks about his net to see who might get caught up in it. Jesus tosses his net to catch fishermen doing what they do. Jesus invites new action from the core of who they are. Jesus invites new action from the core of who we are. His call from without corresponds immediately with the longing from within. When is the last time you were caught up in Jesus' net? Where might you be being called to intentionally place yourself at a crossroads? Are you fleeing away from or choosing to move headlong into the Herod in your own life? Fast forward to Paul in Corinthians. It's like watching the television. You know, you have one big screen in the corner. You have this other show playing at the same time. So... We move forward to Corinthians where we peer into a period of natural division in community. Paul gets word from Chloe's household. The people of Corinth are aligning themselves with leaders. Apollos, the follower of John the Baptist, Peter and Paul. At first glance, this rivalry is somewhat innocent. 
But in our second reading, Paul addresses personality cults and fan clubs arising in Christian communities that are promoting those who think, in return, they will be promoted. People who are using education and rhetoric to bolster their own power. Paul calls them to remember Christ and the wisdom of God who deflates and destroys all status systems, all systems of honor, all systems of power. Not anti-structure, but God's wisdom. Paul is saying, know who you are and live differently in the light of Christ. Paul asks all of us to evaluate ourselves and how we might live by a different value system than what is going on in the world around us. This discord is not unique to Corinthians. In Romans, Philippians, Ephesians, Paul addresses unity. Hmm. In our midst, it might be like our Chloe and Lauren from the 8 o'clock service, maybe gathering together, let's say, Jan and Dick and Mary Ellen um, and Wilfred and Christie, um, for coffee with Paul as they're discussing life dynamics here at St. Peter's. Where we say, I belong to 8 o'clock and I belong to 10 o'clock. Or as we come up on political primaries, we may strongly hold on to, but not as boldly claim to one another, I belong to Democrats. I belong to Independents. I belong to Republicans. I did that alphabetically, mind you. (laughs) (laughs) Conflict is sure to arise among us. The truth is, conflict is acceptable and routine. But doesn't this have you wonder at all what a letter from Paul to us would look like? What do you think a letter from Paul would say to us? Maybe you'd want to write that letter in these coming weeks as you think about that question. But I would say, To whom do you belong? To whom do we belong? The Irish poet and mystic John O'Donoghue would tell us, it is the nature of the soul to belong. Belonging is deep. Only in an artificial sense does it refer to our attachments to people, places, or things. Belonging is the circle that embraces everything. Our life journey is to define our belonging so that it becomes more true, more free, and more loving. The most intimate belonging, self-belonging. We belong to the longing of God deep within us, for us.
true belonging, though, only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. Who are the people like Paul who have come into your life to invite you to remember who you are? When was the last time you let your imperfect self into the light of day with those around you? With our community here at St. Peter's. During Advent, the relationship of Jesus and John had us inquiring into frameworks that we adopt and construct from our life experiences. Embracing the humility of our authentic and perfect self our vulnerable self can soften our frameworks. And to use Paul's metaphor of the body, embracing humility allows our muscles to lovingly and flexibly bend and move around in our frameworks. It is from here that we can ask what Bishop Curry asks us to consider. How do we free ourselves from the echo chamber of our own frameworks where we need everyone to agree with us so that we might truly hear and understand the concerns of the people with whom we disagree? In the book, The Big Sort, the author points out that the world is more segregated than ever before in like-mindedness. Being united in the same mind and the same purpose as Paul speaks of is not like-mindedness. So what is being united in the same mind and the same purpose? Our own Bishop Curry and Martin Luther King give us that insight. Bishop Curry asks us, what would it be like for us to love our neighbor through collaborative, legislative, and political decisions and collective compromise? Value-based, not as lobbyists, but as advocates for humanity. Follow me, Jesus says. Where might we be called to intentionally place ourselves at a crossroads of creative altruism? Finding unique ways to help others through connecting people and building communities and structures around it to form community. Jesus says, follow me. 